Net-A-Porter presents. Pieces of Me, My Life in Seven Garments is a podcast series brought to you by Porter. I'm Editor-in-Chief Sarah Bailey. Pieces of Me is about celebrating women and the power of fashion. We ask incredible women the all-important question, what were you wearing at the time? Halima Aden is a true changemaker. You may have seen her on the cover of Vogue, uh-huh. the very first hijab-wearing cover star. In just over three years, the Somali-American has redefined ideas of beauty, bringing diversity and the visibility of Muslim women onto fashion's front pages. Born in Kakuma, the world's largest refugee camp in Kenya, she moved to America age seven. In 2016, her brave decision to enter the Miss Minnesota USA contest, wearing a burkini in the swimsuit round, was a truly zeitgeist-changing moment. Halima was signed to a global modeling agency the very next day. There was a worldwide buzz. Veteran fashion editor Corinne Reutfeld was an early champion who cast Halima on the cover of her CR book. More covers have followed, but none so iconic as the Sports Illustrated swimwear issue, the first Muslim-American model to wear a hijab and a burkini on the cover. Her immense global following of young women from all cultures love her for carving out a career in fashion without compromising her beliefs or her identity. On the day we talked to Halima, she had just walked for Tommy Hilfiger in London, wearing an American flag as a hijab. And we asked her to tell us about her remarkable journey from child refugee to international model. I'm Halima Aden. These are the pieces in me. The first piece is my hijab. It was just a natural part of my journey to see all the women in my family, my mom, my aunt. There was a lot of older Somali women around me and they were all wearing the hijab. So I kind of fell in love with it. And I remember asking my mom about, I think I was like in the second grade, I was like, I want my own little piece. And I just wanted to mirror my mom because she was my shining light. She was my hero. She's my mom. And so I wanted to look like her. You know how little girls walk around in heels? They just want to copy their mom. If their mom wears red lipstick to work, you might see like the seven-year-old trying to, you know, mimic. And I was just like, I want it. It's so funny because people always are You know, they always are curious and they ask me, was it difficult to make that choice? What was it like? And if I'm honest with you, it was no different than picking out a pair of shoes to wear. It was that easy. It came that easy to me. And once I started wearing it, I've never taken it off. But I will say traveling and meeting so many other women who wear the hijab, it's made me fall in love with it so much more. I think the one that represents me the most is... It's a plain black scarf, chiffon, I think. (laughs) And it's it's just easy to wear. And it's the one before there was fashion, before I knew about my personal style, it was the one that I was always drawn to because it was just so simple, easy to throw on and get out of the house. I know it's not that exciting, but it really, you know, it, it represents me because it's simple, it's functional, and it's a big part of my identity, where I came from. And it's a reminder that I, I have so much more to do, you know? It's a choice. Every day that I put it on, it's a choice. I remember making the choice in the eighth grade that I was just going to be me. You know, I'm going to have as many friends and just, I'm not even going to put too much thought into it and I'm not going to 
alienate myself and stick to just the Somali girls because that's easy to do, you know, to stick with the people who you're most similar with. But I decided I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to embrace and go with the flow. And the students quickly embraced me because they nominated me my town and I think states first Muslim homecoming queen, Somali girl. And you just never heard that. You know, it was definitely not something that you you heard Somali kids being involved in or getting nominated, but to be picked by your peers and then the entire school to be a representative of the school and to be their homecoming queen. Like that just, it blew me away. But that's what happens when you just embrace. It sounds so easy, but it, it really is easy. <laughs> and when in 2016, she got up her courage to enter Miss Minnesota USA, she did so dressed in something that not many people even knew existed. The burkini essentially launched my career. So, okay, 2016, I was like, I want to compete in a pageant because pageantry, we had, you know, toddlers and tiaras, all these shows. I've always been curious, Miss Universe. And it's very much American tradition, not really Somali culture, but it's a big part of my identity. Miss Minnesota, I live in Minnesota. It's a big scholarship platform. So what better ways? And the chance to like meet girls from all over the state. I just wanted to try it, but I never thought my life would drastically change from that choice. And that's why I always tell young people, you don't know where you're going to find success. So enter these spaces and don't be afraid to try something new because that one, had I not competed, I might, I probably would have never gotten the modeling contract, which I wouldn't be here with you today. You never know. So big or little, take that first step and try it. It took me a long time to even discover that there was a modest swimsuit. And I think it was created actually that year. So it was just perfect timing. Okay, so that first burkini was navy blue and it had this beautiful like bedazzled almost like gold uh, print all on the front side and it was a two-piece and I just remember thinking now do I test it out in the water or do I just save it for pageant day <laughs> and I ended up saving it for the for the actual show but I was like I can't wait to test it out, you know, and I did after the pageant, I went swimming and it felt so incredible because I even today, I don't know how to swim because I never I never learned there was no option. So now I have no excuse. <laughs> now I have to learn. <laughs> I 100 percent think that that was a pivotal moment in our community, because had that not happened, would major key players like Nike, would they be producing a burkini today? No. So it, it created a buzz. And I think it also inspired girls to go out for swimming. And initially, that was my goal. It was to start locally, just to go back to my high school and tell girls, look, I competed wearing a burkini. Why can't you be in soccer? Why can't you be in swimming? Why can't you compete and still wear things that make you feel comfortable, but not feel like you're, you need to be excluded? You know, I just was not expecting that it would go global <laughs> and that it would be so life-changing. I honestly didn't. It was more to inspire the little girls in my family and in my, in my own city. As Halima sees it, there is no wrong or right way to cover up. You can be cool and you can have fun with it. So the turban, I think back to when I was a 12-year-old girl, when I was 16, when I was making all of these like personal choices in terms of style, and I wish I had somebody who was in fashion to tell me Modesty does not have to look 
like your mom, modesty can look like you and you can pick it and still be a young, cool, edgy, fashionable young girl with style and you can individualize to represent your personality. Like, I wish I had known that. Every shoot, it's just like seeing yourself style through the lens of a stylist and they make me look so different. I've had everything from Gucci pants, trousers on my head as a turban, to sweaters, to all these different materials, different looks. And it's just been so exciting to think that there's not really a right or wrong way to cover up, you know? And you can be creative, you can have fun with it. And I love showcasing that to my followers and like the girls who follow me to tell them like, you can really make it your own and individualize it. The iconic fashion editor, Corrine Reutfeld, was instrumental in the early days of Halima's career. She did such an incredible job, and boy, was that a shoot. I, it was my first trip to New York. I had just competed in Miss Minnesota USA in 2016, and all, all at once, like, I shot for Fenty with Rihanna, flew to New York, and then was shooting with Corrine for... CR fashion book, which later ended up being the cover. But I just remember thinking, wow, there's so many clothes. There's racks and racks and like shoes. And I, I was just so excited. I'm like, oh my goodness, look at all this jewelry. I, I've never been on a fashion set before. And so I was like, so this is how the magic comes alive. And it was really interesting because from an outside outsider perspective, I never thought that you know, when I saw magazines, I never knew all the work and hours that went behind it. It's a full production, eight-hour shoots, 14-hour shoots sometimes. And that's how the magic happens. And then you don't see it for like three months sometimes, six months. And so it was a learning experience. But I just remember thinking, wow, so this is what fashion is like behind the scenes. And I loved it. I, I fell in love with Kareen that day. And she's been such a big advocate for me and supporter of my career, and I very much, very much credit her. Corrine Reutfeld, not only spotting her potential, but supporting her to take on opportunities without compromising her beliefs. Kanye West's Yeezy show was a turning point. My fourth piece is the Yeezy coat. Okay, so 2017, mm -hmm, New York Fashion Week. Corrine, somebody who's also like, I'm not just going to put you on a cover and like forget about you, but I will continuously keep you in mind for projects I'm working on. And sure enough, she invited me uh, for Yeezy. But a lot of people I think sometimes don't know, I almost didn't get that show. Actually, the first look that they set out, it didn't, it didn't work, you know? It didn't work with my wardrobe requirements. So I went back to the hotel. I was like, oh. That would have been such a such a fun show. And now nobody's going to know. And I can't even tell my friends. Like, I came so close to walking for Kanye West. And I didn't. Because I decided I'm just going to go back because the look didn't work. Like, nobody's going to believe that, right? But sure enough, they call us. And we went back at, like, 10 p.m. for a second look. And that, that to me, represents you don't have to conform. And the right people are willing to work with you just the way you are just the way you are. And it gave me the confidence. Like, if I could do this and they called back and they made it look, I'm never going to change for fashion because it's, it's a collaboration. I'm always going to show up willing to work hard. I give 120. I bring my own stuff, like scarves, options for turtlenecks, options for tights, because the stylist maybe never worked with a hijabi, and I understand that, and I think it's a partnership. So I'm willing to meet you halfway, but some things I'm just not going to ever budge. And... 
that to me was such a pivotal moment in my career where it was, look, I have one of the greatest stylists, Kareen, like Yeezy, New York Fashion Week, and somehow, some way, they managed to make it work. It was so funny because the first look was so like, ah, there's no way. Because A, I have a mom to go home to and she just would not have approved in that look. Because it's just not me. Like, it was like thigh high and like this little sweater. And I was just like, that's just, that's not me. You know, nothing wrong with it. I'm sure there's a million girls who would have loved that look. But it's just not who I am. (laughs) And I would have looked so awkward on that. Like, I would have looked so awkward. trying to pull that off even had I had said yes so I'm glad I didn't but they invited me back and the second look was extremely on the opposite side where it was this long like cover up of a faux fur coat and my black hijab that I wore traditional that I actually brought with me (laughs) and I was just like oh my gosh look see it worked it all worked I think that was like the key to my success is early on, I was willing to walk away. And and here's the other thing, too. It's so, the definition of modesty is so personal for so many women that it's almost impossible for a stylist to know what your wardrobe requirement is. Yes, does my agency send it, send it out before? Yes, but at that time, I was so new that I don't even think we had it. Now it's just like part of part of the, you know, day to day. But before it was a conversation and I think that's what it is it's it's about talking it through and Kareen did all of this to make it work not just like my hijab but also working with me as like a new girl who is just now coming to this world that is so drastically different to what I was used to. Being a newbie on the fashion circuit meant learning some new rules both on and off the runway which Halima tells us about in her next piece. My fifth piece is a double whammy sobati and abaya. It's like almost like a slip-on. <laughs> but I love it because it's so functional. You know, sometimes like, especially when I was younger, I would just wear my pajamas and throw this like, it's almost like a coat, like a cover-up and it's out of the house. So it was just functional fashion and it represents my community because abaya is something that we all share so there's now an article of me running around Milan wearing this traditional, like, pajama. I remember thinking, wow, this really is the best job in the world. I can just roll out of bed and roll into work. And they do my makeup and, like, put the clothes on me. What I wasn't anticipating was that there would be thousands of paparazzi before you even enter the venue. So I was literally in my pajamas a traditional pajama that you know women wear to go to bed or like just around the house because I was like nobody's gonna see like what and they're not gonna know no baby they took so many photos because a I think the fashion at the time was also excited because it's oh my gosh a hijabi like doing her first Milan show so (laughs) and so I played it off I was like oh that's uh it's a cultural like dress Uh, And then Vogue ran the article and they were like, cultural dress. No, they went and interviewed the writer who actually clocked me and was like, this is pajamas. And it just lives on in the universe. And I wish I could take it back sometimes, but it's so me. You know, it's just a not, I don't take it back. It's part of who I am. It's part of my journey. (laughs) That is my luck. (laughs) In 2018, Halima was appointed at UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador. 
as a child of Kakuma refugee camp, this was incredibly emotional. My sixth piece is the UNICEF shirt. I get so emotional talking about this because those letters, for a lot of people, they know the organization and that's what that's all they know, right? But for me, those were the words that symbolized my life. You know, as a kid, I couldn't spell my name. I couldn't tell you anything else, but I knew what each letter meant and I knew what it represented for my mom, for my family, for my community. Seven years of my formative years I spent in the world's largest refugee camp. One of the earliest, actually, that the UN developed. So imagine how it feels to grow up, leave the camp, come back, enter fashion, and then become a UNICEF ambassador. Like, you just don't see journeys like that where you go from the receiving end to now the giving end. Despite it being a refugee camp and despite having obstacles like Malaria, that was like the flu for us as as children, you know, it's just it's part of life. Not knowing your next meal and where's that, where that is going to come from, long lines to get food rations. It was difficult, but at the same time, the best childhood in terms of community, 66% women and children. And, you know, it's refugees from all over Africa, people who've lived devastating, left their entire villages, burned to the ground. And this is the place they call home. So those people, they have absolutely nothing to give but love. And that's what I had in my childhood. I was wrapped in love. I had so many mamas in the camp and so many friends. Like we would just sing and roam and dance. And it was a beautiful childhood. It was a beautiful childhood because community. And they gave me so much hope. I wish sometimes people saw, you know, because I, I don't think that's documented and talked about enough. And believe it or not, I've actually met four models from Kakuma. Kakuma babies, what can I say? We're resilient. You know, we're little fighters. And I will never forget that day. I show up to the set. <laughs> I think we were shooting in New York. I was so nervous because it's British Vogue. And for the first time in over 102 years, a hijabi cover girl like that, was insane and I was like no pressure but then Adut and I are just talking and it's like us girls seven of us girls I think and Adut and I were just talking about oh where are you from I'm from Australia where are you from I'm from Minnesota because you know that's the short (laughs) and then she said something about camel milk and I was like I love camel milk wait how do you know about camel milk because it's you know Africa because I'm like Australia y'all are drinking camel milk no, I know we're not drinking camel milk in Minnesota. So I was like, where, where, where are you from originally? And she's like, oh, Kenya. Whereabouts in Kenya? Kakuma. And I lost it. I was like, wait, Kakuma? What are the chances that <laughs> the cover girl I'm sitting next to shooting is from the same refugee camp? You know, and she's killing it. Like, you see a dude, like, she's on every runway, every, every campaign, every show. She's resilient, you know, and it was so emotional for me. June 2018 saw Halima head back to Kakuma, this time to deliver a TED Talk. (laughs) Oh, my God. TED Talk was, oh, what a highlight. I was so excited because I love TED Talks. I would listen to it all the time on the school bus, even when I was in, like, middle school or, like, high school. I loved, I loved it so much. And in fact, a lot of the lessons and like things that I picked up is from, you know, watching TED Talks. So 
being invited to do my own, I was like, wait, wait, what am I going to talk about, first of all? And then it was just so exciting. But actually, that trip was so emotional because it was the first time that TED Talk did a whole talk in a refugee camp. So how beautiful. Not only did they invite me to the table, they were like, we're going to do it in your home. Quite literally, we went back to Kakuma. We went back to Kakuma and they had these big monitors. So everybody in the camp got to come and like watch my talk. And it was so beautiful. And I get so emotional thinking about it because not only was it my first time going back home and I got to meet people still in the camp, which broke my heart, like Dave, who was there the day I was born and is still working there. And uh, it was so incredible. And and hearing him tell me that he was part of me. Uh, oh, my God. That was such a beautiful moment in my life. Like, that was my favorite trip. And I'm so grateful because if I did anything right in fashion, it was that. I got to see Halima walk the runway for Max Mara in 2017 in an elegant camel coat at the heart of Milan Fashion Week. My seventh piece is the Max Mara coat. Max Mara is like one of my favorite designers because it's timeless. You know, it's pieces that any woman can rock. I think it's so modest, but also elegant. And it's it was the first time that I felt really beautiful in what I was wearing. Because before that, it was like, okay, fashion is like to cover my back. <laughs> as long as I have clothes on my back, like I'm good. I'm getting out of the house and never really put into thought how I looked image-wise, but it was the first time that I put on something where I was like, I feel like a million bucks. I was head over the moon. And it fits everything that I, like, I want to cover up. I I don't want to show too much skin. I felt so elegant, and I felt no different than any of the other girls. Like, for the first time, it was like, I'm not here to check a, a list, you know? I'm not here to tick a box. It felt like I belonged. It really, truly felt like... Oh my gosh, look, there's there's space for all of us. You're, you're no different, you know, than the other models. You can still be beautiful despite your wardrobe requirements. And don't change yourself, change the game. That quote to me is, don't conform, babe. Like, we're all meant to be who we are. And, and it's a rainbow for different tastes, for different walks. Like, choose it. Be proud and take ownership of your identity. What makes you you? Remember your roots. Remember where you come from. In the beginning, people were like messaging me, Halima, why are you talking about being a refugee? Just be in fashion like that. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not embarrassed. I kept my housekeeping job despite doing Milan. You saw me in Milan. Girl, I went back and I clocked in because why not? And even today, like, yes, I'm not in housekeeping anymore, but I still live in Minnesota because it's okay to do things differently. If it works for you, it works for you. And if Halima could choose just one of these pieces that defines her present and her future? I think it'd be easy for me to say the hijab, but I'm going to go back with the UNICEF shirt because that is my life. That is my life, you know? I'm so much more than the scarf that I put on my head, believe it or not, right? It's a big part of my identity, but it's not all of me. It's just another artifact, another piece of clothing. But that UNICEF shirt, that represents my entire life, where I came from, and hopefully where I'm heading. It really was just joyous to talk with Halima about the seven pieces that define her story. She bounded into the studio, riding high on the excitement of the Tommy show the night before. 
so proud that there were three hijabi-wearing women walking in that show. She really has changed the game. She's made fashion a safer, more inclusive, more thoughtful environment, not just for Muslim women, but for us all. She really does ask us to challenge our narrow definitions of beauty, but with the lightest of touch. Her views on modest dressing are deeply held, but she doesn't preach. She creates a space for other women to speak confidently about what is appropriate for them. And she's just so much fun. She actually tied the sweater dress she wore to the studio around her head as a turban for our pictures. Have a look at netaporte.com. Halima Aden, you are a tonic. Thank you for sharing your pieces of me. Head to netaporte slash podcasts slash pieces of me to see pictures of the pieces Halima discussed today and to listen to previous episodes. And to listen, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Pieces of Me was brought to you by Porter and Chalk and Blade. Presented by Sarah Bailey and produced by Laura Hyde. The executive producer was Ruth Barnes. This was like one of the best girl chats 